Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 39, Part 1, Seb and Fauna began their honeymoon. In this episode, Chapter 39, Part 2, Seb encounters a legendary dragon. Alright, let's dive in. Sheathe your swords, Seb commanded to the two guards. Vivin had his hand on the pommel of his longsword, but he hadn't drawn it. The dragons landed, surrounding them. The earth shook from so many landing at once. A massive, scaled, ruby-red dragon stepped toward the great tamer. His eyes were golden, and there was no doubt he was a wickedly powerful creature. Nocte slunk in front of his tamer, his head low to the ground and his tail completely still. Seb had never seen Nocte act in such a way, submissive to another dragon. It would be one of the only times in Vivin's life when he would witness Seb take a step away from a threat. You needn't be wary of me, great tamer. The massive red dragon's voice was deep and resonant. Seb's voice was caught in his throat. Such a young one. The dragon rumbled in delight. I... I'm Sebastian Allor. Usually, he would include the formalities, but he felt no need. This is my dragon Nocte, and these are my guards. The Great Tamer requires protection. The dragon rumbled thoughtfully. I... I'm the king, as well. Regent. Seb explained. The dragon sat on its haunches and wrapped its thick tail around its paws. My name is Lane Nuage. I am... You're Cayenne's dragon! Seb cried in sudden realization. The dragon's chest rumbled in amusement. Yes, young one, I am. Seb practically ran past Nocte to approach the legendary dragon. Vivin felt his stomach drop, and he glanced at Kaylee. She showed no alarm, so he continued to grip the pommel of his sword uneasily. I've always wondered what happened to you. Seb shoved his hands into his pockets with a smile. He stood as close as he could to the massive dragon without having to crane his neck too far. I have been roaming these mountains for centuries. They have become a sanctuary for dragons who have lost their tamers. Everyone here has lost their tamer? We do not host savage dragons. Lane Nuage clarified. Vivin glanced over his shoulder at the other guards. They were staring in disbelief as Zeb had a friendly conversation with the intimidating creature. Vivin almost had to laugh. The ruby red dragon waved its tail, and the surrounding dragons began to disperse. Some flew off, others curled up and relaxed. Some sparred. Seb sat cross-legged on the damp grass, and Lay Nuage laid down with his paws folded underneath him. Vivin walked back to Kaylee and patted her neck. I'm never going to get used to him doing that. Never get used to, or never be comfortable with, Kaylee replied, laying down. Vivin huffed and sank down against her flank and wing. 
one and the same. Nocte went over to Seb and curled up behind his back, keeping a protective eye on him. Le Nuage was almost double his size. I doubt we would have found them without Seb. If they didn't want to be found, they wouldn't have been, Kaylee agreed. Sebastian was greatly enjoying his conversation with the Elder Dragon, but a gentle reminder from Nocte made him realize the sun was setting. So then, Seb concluded with the ruby red dragon. After what I've told you of the happenings in the human world, what do you say? Hmm. The dragon rumbled. I will aid you in future times if you pledge to protect these mountains. The logging grows closer each year, and there is a scent on the wind that does not bode well. Trouble is coming, perhaps. The ancient dragon rose to his paws, and Seb stood. I promise I will do everything in my power to keep your home safe. A blood oath. The dragon insisted. Without hesitation, Seb drew the dagger he kept hidden in his boot and sliced his palm. Nocte growled, upset that his tamer inflicted pain upon himself. Lane Nuage bit his left forepaw and held it out to the great tamer. Seb pressed his palm against the dragons and mixed their blood. An oath, then. Seb gazed into the dragon's golden eyes resolutely. Should I need your help in the future? You shall have it, great tamer. I wish you wisdom and prosperity in your reign. Sebastian smiled and backed away from the legendary dragon. He hopped onto Nocte, and they returned to Fauna as quickly as they could. They located the elderly woman's house by the guard standing watch outside. Seb went in without knocking and hurried over to Fauna excitedly. You're never going to believe who we met, Fawn. Great's above, Seb. You're bleeding. Are you okay? She took his hand, which was smeared in blood. Vivin, what did you let him do? She scolded as Vivin entered the house. Vivin dipped his head to the elderly woman, who was sitting in her rocking chair by the fireplace. Today I let him sell his soul to a dragon. What? Fauna exclaimed, incredulous. Seb scowled. That's only the half-truth. He eagerly told Fauna about the adventure while Vivin cleaned the cut on the king's palm. I really wish you could have been there. Seb smiled at the end. So how was your day? Ah, well, her husband gave her a piano when they married as well, so I played for her while she knit. And as far as she knows, Fauna lowered her voice. We're newlyweds of some affluence, touring the country on her honeymoon. Seb grinned and caught Vivin looking unwell out of the corner of his eye. Are you all right? Sebastian placed a hand on Vivin's shoulder. He looked pale and weary. Just tired, Vivin mumbled. He had scarcely slept the night previous. There's a guest house travelers use. It's available, and there's stew on the stove. Fauna leapt up, and Vivin stifled a yawn. I'm not supposed to leave the house. Why don't you take the spare bedroom, then? Seb and I don't mind sharing the couch, Fauna offered. Seb nodded, and Vivin was amused at the thought of the brawny young man fitting on the couch alone, let alone with his wife. The couch is perfect. 
Fauna and the elderly woman sorted out the linens, and Seb said in a low voice to Vivin, I know I get carried away sometimes. Just tell me if you're ever struggling to keep up with me. Seb clasped his shoulder affectionately and went to help the ladies. Vivin rubbed his eyes. Seb's words of supposed comfort were unfortunately an insult to the warrior. They began their journey back to Imperior the following day, and spent two more nights away from Magnitectus. They were greeted by Maria, Felicita, Kael, and the Prince. Seb held Zayraid before even so much as a hello to anyone else. He gave the infant a kiss on the cheek and fawned over him, while Fauna and Maria laughed. Babies before his own mother, Maria teased. Seb grinned and stooped down to give her a kiss on the cheek as well. Seb gave Vivin a stern order to take a few days of rest before reporting for duty again. Alice met Vivin with eager kisses in the training courtyard. He looked exhausted. Alice had to laugh. He put you through the ringer, didn't he, Vivi? Greats above, you have no idea. He wiped a streak of dirt from her soft cheek and kissed her again. Are you busy? Alice glanced over her shoulder at the two guards she had been sparring against. Not particularly. Vivin held her hand and gave her a gentle smirk. Actually, not at all. Lord Oril was keenly interested in what Seb had to say about the lone dragons in Lane Nuage. He had known Cayenne, and had no idea Lane was still living. He also knew Niz, the elvish tamer before Cayenne, quite well and Seb enjoyed listening to stories about both. The puppies were overjoyed to see their masters again, and even Seb had to admit that he missed them. They had grown since they left. Their ears were still too big for their bodies, and they were clumsy, but soon enough, they would be full-grown wolfhounds. Vivin took Seb's order to rest seriously, and went out for a couple of days. On the first day, he returned at dinner with Seb's new hunting bow, which Seb said he would wait to try out with Vivin. And the following day, he didn't return until after Alice was in bed. It was near pitch black and quite late, but Alice hadn't been able to sleep without knowing where her partner was. She didn't let him know that she was still awake. When he crawled into bed, he pressed his warm body against hers and put an arm around her. He kissed her bare shoulder and within moments was fast asleep. The head guard returned to work the following day and was up before Alice. Throughout the day, she felt as if he had been avoiding her, leaving a gnawing feeling in her gut. Something was wrong. She could only guess at what, but one thing was certain. She would find out before they went to bed that evening. She had to wait until their typical routine was over. They were all sat in the library. Vivin was perusing novels, and Fauna was nitpicking at Seb. She rubbed his facial hair. You need to shave. You're getting scruffy. Seb grinned. Didn't I tell you my goal? Fauna shook her head, so Seb announced. I'm going to grow the world's longest beard. Fauna and Maria giggled, <laughs> and Lord Oro mentioned. The current longest is worn by an elf. How long was it, Grimmin? The dark-haired elf paused for a moment. I am uncertain though he could easily toss it over her shoulder. Seb squinted thoughtfully. I can manage that. 
No, you can't. Vivin chuckled, swatting his head playfully as he walked past. You're too baby-faced. Seb took it as an attack on his manhood. I am not. I've got a beard going already. Vivin sat down in the chair next to Alice. Hold on, let me put my glasses on. Nope, still can't see it. Seb's cheeks flushed and he retorted, All right then, let's have a contest. You and me, longest beard at the end of six months wins. It's against my dress code to grow one, Vivin murmured, attempting to read his book. That's a technicality, Seb waved his hand. Vivin ignored him, so Seb added, You're just scared to lose to me. Vivin gazed at him over the top of his glasses. Are you serious? Seb grinned playfully, so Vivin sighed. <sighs> Shave tomorrow morning to make it fair. Fauna teased Seb some more, and Vivin whispered to Alice. How much do you want to bet that I'll win? Alice focused on the document she was reading and simply shrugged. Vivin closed his book and gave her a look of concern. Are you all right, Allie? Yep. Vivin knew he was in trouble and struggled to enjoy the novel he picked. After escorting Seb and Fauna to their quarters, Alice and Vivin returned to their bedroom silently. Alice kept a pace ahead of him, which wasn't easy with her shorter legs. Vivin had been trying to determine what he had done wrong for the past hour. A few minor things came to mind, but nothing for her to be overly upset about. Wish me luck, Kaylee, he thought as they approached their door. He stepped ahead of Alice and held open the door for her, to which she gave no thanks. All right, what did I do? Vivin asked as soon as he shut the door. I've been trying to figure it out. If you want to break up, just say so. Alice glowered, standing at the foot of the bed with her arms folded across her chest. Vivin blinked in shock. He closed his eyes and shook his head in confusion. What? You've been avoiding me since before the wedding. When you suggested I take another crew as a decoy for the honeymoon, I thought it was a practical move, but evidently you just wanted the time alone. Vivin laughed at the idea and leaned against the thick wooden door. Really? Yes. And, if there's someone else, Alice's fair cheeks were bright red. You should give me the courtesy of her name, so I can beat the shit out of her. Vivin watched Alice quietly until the young woman looked away. I was going to ask you out on a date tonight, for tomorrow. Do you know why? Alice sat down on the bed as her answer, so Vivin continued. It's been roughly a year since we got together. That doesn't explain your actions. Before the wedding, I was so preoccupied organizing security that I didn't pay as much attention to you as I usually do. I thought you would be fine, but obviously I was wrong. The decoy was exactly what it seemed. And frankly, if you had been guarding them with me, I don't think I would have done as good a job. Alice jumped up defensively, but Vivin didn't let her speak. I doubt I would have been able to keep my hands off of you at night or my eyes during the day. In a quiet place, on the edge of the ocean, you'd better believe I'd let my guard down to appreciate you more. But it wasn't a vacation for us, it was work, 
and I wanted to keep that line clear. He strode over to his nightstand and took something from the drawer, a small square box. He walked back to her. I had our day planned tomorrow. I already asked Seb for the time off and was going to surprise you. Alice stared at the box in Vivian's hands. I don't know if I should be showing you this now. I didn't realize our relationship was so fragile. He opened it, and it was exactly what Alice predicted. A ring. It was a silver band. Alice was so stunned, she could only manage. You want to marry me? Vivian closed the box and took a step back. No. To be honest, I never thought of you as the marrying type. No one should ever completely tie you down. Vivin gazed at the box and brushed his thumb over it. I wanted something that said we were serious, and that you're mine. But I wasn't going to propose, unless that's what you want. Alice felt her cheeks burn. I don't know what to say. Vivin put it in his back pocket and ran a hand through his thick hair. Did you really think I was cheating on you? Vivin sounded truly hurt, and it made Alice regret her words a hundredfold. No, I was just angry and scared. I've had guys run around on me before, so I know the signs. I didn't mean what I said, Vivin. I'm sorry. She stepped into him, and he put his arms around her. Remind me not to anger you in the future, Vivin murmured, resting his chin on her head. Alice gave him a comforting squeeze and fished the box from his back pocket. Hey, Vivin exclaimed, lunging to snatch it back. Alice smirked and leapt onto the bed, out of reach. She opened the box and took a closer look at the ring. Vivin stood at the foot of the bed with his arms folded across his chest in an unamused expression. She went to take it out of the box, and Vivian's frown deepened. What, Vivi? It's mine, isn't it? The tamer sulked. I wanted to be the one to put it on you. Alice took a step and jumped down from the bed, and Vivian instinctively caught her. Alice grinned at him, and he mumbled. You could hurt yourself. Alice pressed the box into his chest and went on her tiptoes, giving him a kiss. He took the ring and her right hand. I figure it should go on this finger. He slipped it onto her right ring finger. It isn't silver or gold. It's steel. If your hand is crushed in battle, it shouldn't dent like a softer metal. I don't care about whether or not it's gold. I'm more impressed you got the size right. Vivin smiled. I asked the jeweler for the first size up from a child's ring. Alice thumped his chest with her fist. Hard. You're so mean. Vivin laughed, rubbing his <laughs> chest. Well, it fits, doesn't it? He took her face in his hands and kissed her head. You're so small. Sometimes I forget that you don't need protecting. He stroked her soft cheek with his thumb and gazed into her bright blue eyes. You are like sunlight that fills a dark, empty room when the curtains are drawn back. You're everything I didn't know my life was missing, until I fell in love with you. Alice blushed profusely and opted for hugging him tightly while he spoke. I never want to lose what we have, Allie. 
I'm never going to hurt you. I'm never going to run away. I'm going to stand beside you for as long as you'll let me. Alice gripped his black shirt tightly. Forever, then. Vivin pressed her against him as close as he could. Forever. Lord Oril returned to Romofsi shortly after the king and queen returned from their honeymoon. It was painful for him to leave his family and ride on, but his country needed him. Sebastian and Fauna fell into a regular routine. Seb would wake up, hunt, or go for a run with Vivin, and, on occasion, Kyle, join everyone for breakfast, hold meetings and work out, all before lunch. In the afternoon, they would hold an audience with the public for an hour, five days a week. Then Seb and Fauna went through their paperwork until dinner. Their evenings were spent in the library or in their private common room, maintaining their hobbies or playing with Zayraid and the pups. Summer was in full force when one morning Seb paced impatiently outside of the master chambers. Alice was away on an assignment for the council, though she left her finest apprentice in charge of Fauna's security. That morning, however, Vivin dismissed the guard for a few hours and stood watch near Seb. Fauna had been ill, and a physician was called in. Vivin had to wonder why the young man was so agitated. Maria came around the corner of the corridor and asked Seb if his wife was all right. Before Seb could answer, the physician came to the door and asked for Seb to step inside. Maria immediately turned to Vivin. What kind of ill? Both she and Arthur looked at Vivin expectantly. The guard raised his hands. They've told me nothing. Maria clasped her hands together apprehensively, and Art and Vivin leaned against the cool marble wall, unable to do anything more. When Sebri appeared several moments later, he burst through the door. Mom, guess what? Was all he needed to say to make her shout yes. for joy. Seb picked her up in a bear hug. You're going to be a grandma! Maria had never seen her son so unfathomably elated. He was tickled pink. Tears welled up in her eyes, and Seb laughed. Don't cry. He dashed past her and shouted over his shoulder, I've got to tell everybody. Art gave Vivin a slap on the shoulder as the head guard raced after the young man. Maria hastily wiped the tears from her eyes and said, I'm going to go check on her. Sebastian was infectiously happy. Princess Felicita gave him a hug with her congratulations, and whether Kyle wanted one or not, he got one too. Seb was practically bouncing his way around the palace with the news, making Vivin laugh and shake his head. He himself had been excited to be a new father back in the day, but not like this. Ryan was as ecstatic as Seb, brimming with congratulations. The young man's final stop was outside, in the back garden. Nocte was waiting patiently for his tamer. Seb, what in the name of the greats has you so wound up? Seb beamed up at his dragon. Fauna is pregnant. Nocte licked Seb's face with his forked tongue, making Seb laugh. <laughs> Congratulations on your future hatchling. It isn't a hatchling. It doesn't come from an egg. Nocte cocked his head. But if she doesn't lay an egg, how does it work? Seb rubbed the back of his neck. I think we need to have a talk. But I need to go check on Fauna first. 
Nocte butted his proud head into his tamer's chest, and Nocte murmured using Vox Draco, I wish you could always be this happy, Seb. Sebastian patted Nocte's strong jaw and gave him a kiss on the muzzle before jogging back into the palace. Vivin was waiting for him, and Seb gave him his sweet smile. Are you nervous? Vivin asked before they started walking back to the master chambers. Seb took a deep breath and exhaled with a huff and a shrug. I'm too excited to be nervous. I'm going to be a dad. You're going to be a wonderful one, Seb, Vivin said sincerely. Seb beamed and gave Vivin a warm hug. Several days later, when Alice returned to Magni Tectus, Fauna was the one to make the announcement. The mother-to-be had been slightly disappointed that Seb had told every soul in the palace he could find. I can't believe Seb is going to be a father, Alice said that night as she and Vivin were getting ready for bed. Vivin grinned, hanging his sword in a weapon rack. You should have seen how excited he was at the news. He was bouncing around like a spring lamb. I can picture it. What a sweetheart. Alice laughed, loosening her braid. Vivin shook his head and chuckled. I still can't believe what you said. Shut up, Alice frowned. When Fauna told her that she was expecting, Alice's reply had been, What, a letter? It was cute. Alice glared at him, so Vivin changed his tune. Kaylee told me Nocte's been telling every dragon he crosses that his tamer is expecting a hatchling. Alice smirked, and Vivin crept across the bed to her, giving her a kiss. You still don't want children, do you? She laughed. No. Baby fever is a thing. Not for me it isn't, Alice retorted. Vivin stretched out on his back, and Alice asked worriedly, You don't either, right? Vivin blinked and chuckled, pinching the bridge of his nose. I have Seb to watch. Alice flopped onto Vivin's chest and gazed into his brown eyes thoughtfully. What? Nothing. You two are just very sweet. Vivin rolled his eyes and placed a hand on the small of her back. Another baby at the palace. We're going to be overrun with toddlers soon. Just wait until they have dragons. Vivin groaned and Alice giggled, <laughs> kissing him. Seb and Fauna are so young. And? Vivin asked, and Alice hunched her shoulders. This is what they want, and they're being responsible. They've known each other for years, have a home, and the finances. Alice pressed her lips together thoughtfully. You're really looking forward to this, aren't you? Vivin stroked her back. I am. I'm content to settle down and have roots. I've been playing a nomad for far too long. Alice wondered if their time with the Orin could be called that. To her, those were roots, and family, and adventure. But if this is what Vivin wanted, she was happy to stay in Imperior, at least for the time being. Thanks for listening to Chapter 39, Part 2 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. No questions have been submitted for the Q&A episode so far, so if you have any questions, please submit them, and if no questions come in, we're going to skip over the Q&A episode this time 
and go straight to chapter 40. If you'd like to submit a question, please DM me on Instagram or Facebook at a DTF podcast or email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>